Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. And we hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to call on our liturgist for today, Brandon, who will read 1 Samuel chapter 3 for us. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the, the, word of the Lord was rare. There were no many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his unusual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down, Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against him, his family, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of, sin, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned by the sacrifice of offering. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was, it, what was it he said to you? Eli said, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him, told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, 
recognized that Samuel was attested as the prophet of the Lord. Thank you. Let us say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you open us heart, mind, body, and soul to your holy word, that it infuse us with the sacredness of our mission here on earth, and let us, Heavenly Father, be successful in all the good that we try to say and do in your holy name. Amen. I would suspect <clears throat> that if we took a poll and we asked, who is the ultimate role model if we look at the entirety of the Old Testament? And we would get some answers like, well, it's Abraham, the man who stepped out on faith and who first covenanted with God, made it possible for the great monotheistic faiths to come into being. Not bad. Some would say maybe it's Joseph, the epitome of forgiveness and love that is essential to the life of the righteous. And of course, a lot of votes would go to Moses, the man who God commissioned to not only save his people, but to actually begin what properly is the religion of Judaism. They'd only been Yahwistic monotheists before Moses. But the simple fact of the matter is, the ultimate role model is Samuel. Now, stop and think about what's going on here. In that covenant with Abraham, the blessing phase said that if you keep the covenant, the blessing to you will be to turn an old man and an old barren woman into as many people as there are stars in the sky and sands at the seashore. Well, you keep seeing these ladies in the Old Testament record getting to the end of their childbearing years and begin to really plead and beg and argue with the husbands, give me a son. Because failure to produce a son means that you have not been found fit to be God's partner in fulfillment of the promise of the covenant. Hannah reached that stage. She asked God not only for a son, but said, if you give him to me, I will not redeem him. Now you see, under normal circumstances, Samuel could never rise to the priesthood. You're born into the priesthood. However, all of the males were brought, once they were on table food and toilet trained to the priest, they handed the child's hand to the priest, and they said, I present to you the child's name, a son of God and of the house of Israel. And then they walked out of the sanctuary or the sacred space. Someone waited outside with something of value, and they brought it into the sacred space and said, I present this to you for the honor of raising 
this son of God. And then you took the child back home with the understanding that he was no longer yours. He belonged to God. You were simply the agent who would raise this child for God. But Samuel was not redeemed. He was given in service to God for the rest of his life. And so Eli now had to raise Samuel to be a priest. But as it turned out, the sons of Eli were so wicked that rather than God allowing them to replace the high priest Samuel, he made it possible for Samuel to become the new high priest. That's quite a position. It's quite an honor. But you see, this is the time of the Federation of Israel. They are surrounded on every side by powerful enemies. They could easily wipe out any tribe of Israel. And so this became the time of the Shafet, the time of the judges. And these people were not individuals who conducted court cases. They were war leaders, divinely inspired, given a plan of battle by God that could result in farmers and shopkeepers and herdsmen going out and facing professional armies led by professional generals and be successful. Samuel judged Israel all of his life, never once lost a battle. But it was also a time when the people drifted. They needed someone who was the spokesperson of God to steer them back to the covenant. Those people, the Navim, the prophets, began to be active. They're not telling the future. What they're telling the people is, you have strayed from the stipulations of the covenant. Failure to return to the ways that you promised God that you would live by will result in the curses in the covenant taking effect. And God will call your neighbors to come and punish you severely if you do not repent. Samuel was known to be the prophet of Yahweh whose word never once failed. So he's the high priest, and he's the judge, and he's the prophet. But Samuel was also the ro'eh, the seer, persons who are blessed by God to be able to look into another time frame, to be able to see events in detail that happened before he was ever born, or see details of events that were going to happen far into the future, so that those who were in an attempt to try and be perfect in their performance of the things that were going to make the way of God become manifest would be in compliance. He held every single leadership position of any consequence. He didn't steer one tiny bit to the right or to the left. 
because he didn't know how to do anything else. From a toddler, God talked to him daily. God trained him. And he did not deviate. The Bible doesn't spell it out. And I've gotten some feedback that was very negative. But people say, well, what happened to those sons of Eli who sexually abused women, who stole from the temple treasury or the sanctuary treasury, and who just manipulated people? I believe that he had them executed. He did not play. So, okay, we have the role model. Now, what are we to do with that? Well, the thing is, like Samuel, you have been called. The thing is, have you recognized your calling and have you acted on it? I have to confess that I ran from ministry like an Olympic sprinter until it finally caught up to me. And I realized that in my daily occupation, I had been doing ministry for years. I just simply was not doing it in the name of God. It was just the right thing to do as far as my values were concerned, having been raised in church. We need to change something in this new year. We need to identify our calling, and we need to respond to it. How do you go about that? Well, first of all, we need to get in a quiet place. We need to sit. We need to clear our hearts and our minds. We need to pray. We need to ask for discernment. We need to ask for guidance. We need to ask for courage. We need to ask for strength. Because it takes all those things to answer your call. And then we need to think about not only who are we, but what are we. There's no person on the face of the earth who does not have a unique blend of gifts and talents. And those things are there not only to make you the best person you could be, but to make you the best minister that you can be. Not all of us are called to be here. I'm sure that Andrew, when he found out that he had a great love of song, did not say, yes, God called me to be one of the vocalists in the choir. But at some point, he realized, this is something that I have a passion for, I have a love for. It's something that gives me purpose. It's something that allows me to have a personal relationship with God. And so this is a ministry, and I will answer that ministry. You know, I could go through this church. You know, Kemper, he laughs and jokes about making coffee. But Kemper is one of the kindest, most subtle, encouraging persons in the church. And it's a look, it's a little touch, 
It's a little whispered word. It's a smile. He's in the ministry. You know, I can go through this entire congregation and point to every last one of you and say, here's something that God has given you a special gift to use in the service of making people understand they matter. They are loved by God. They contribute to the grand scheme for creation. It's your duty to do the thing that God implanted a special blend of gifts and talents to do to make the thing work. You may take for granted some of the things you love, some of the things that occur outside of this sanctuary, and never realize that you're in ministry. There are lots of people who go through their entire lives and never recognize their ministry because they don't think that they have one. We cannot allow that to be the case with any of us. We must accept our role in making the world a better place. We can't wait for it to happen. We have to make it happen by doing our bit. And so on this Sunday, here at the very start of the year, I'm going to offer a prayer to God that we all recognize our calling. So let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you have made us your people. As your sons and your daughters, we are supposed to work to be like you, to make things our hands touch, to make the words that cross our lips, to make the things that you bless us with glorify you. We are your partners in creation. Let us, little Heavenly Father, discover our ministries. Let us answer the call on our lives. And Lord, let us do so with joy. Let us do so with courage. Let us, Heavenly Father, do so with your blessings. And all the people of God said, amen.